Edgy T-Saw, episode 9. Hey everybody, welcome back to Edgy T-Saw Sleepy Edition. <laughs> uh, now that we've gotten rid of all of our guests for the past two weeks, I uh, hope you enjoyed uh, listening to Tracy and Paul talk about... Uh, what did they talk Extensive about? reading. Extensive reading, that's it. Uh, Alright, my name is Scott Chanel. This is... Scott Duarte. Oh, I, I thought you were going to say the title of the show again. I was like, huh, what? No, no, no. We are Edgy T-Saw. <laughs> Yes, so uh, like Scott said, we have no guest this week, so we're back to producing the crappy schlock that uh, you're used to instead <laughs> of the, the high, good, glossed editions of last two weeks. We don't have anybody sitting there staring at us looking like, wow, they look like they know what they're doing. <laughs> you don't have to pretend this time. So uh, what are we going to talk about this week? This week's topic is uh, using text in the classroom. Uh, Boone or, oh wait, we did Boone or Bane Boone, last time. Boone, Bane. Uh, so, using them, not using them, uh, getting around the solutions, and all, well not maybe probably all, but a lot of things covering text, textbooks in the classroom. Yep. Now we can start with, uh, why don't you give your definition of what a text is? A uh, text is anything written down. Is that what we're, okay. For me. Well, yes, definitely. I'll agree. Um, uh, are but, we, I, I mean, are we going to refer to, are we gonna, what are we going to talk about? Are we going to talk about that, you know, really broad idea of text or textbooks, um, or are we going to talk about textbooks? I want to, I'd let's like to. Go ahead. Go ahead. Start with textbooks. Yeah, let's suck it down to that yeah, for a little while. For, for a bit. I can handle that. So, uh, in your classes, uh, are you using textbooks? Haven't used a textbook, an official textbook that I made the kids buy in class for four years. Okay, why not? Hate them. <laughs> um, they all are inadequate. <laughs> oh, that's diplomatic for saying they suck. Yeah. Um, now, there's a couple of things that I do like. I mean, uh, <clears throat> if, uh, if you have a class that has a grammar section in it, I love... Betty Azar, she's my queen. Um, the Blue Azar book, man. I, 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 uh, exactly. Yeah. It, well, I mean, Blue Azar and even Black Azar. Black Azar is higher or lower? I want to say it's lower, but I haven't used it that much. Our, blue is up there as the top. Have been the standards for quite a while. I don't know if they, yeah. they still are. I haven't seen anybody talk about anything else. True, true. Um, so, but at least for me, mm -hmm. Betty's, Betty's the top. Um, and, but the, what I found is in the last few years, I haven't really been doing a focused grammar class. I hope I never do a focused grammar class. It was fun when I was doing it, when I was doing it at the Institute that I was at, there was one, one class was always grammar and, and syntax and things like that for, you know beginning students and then then the other class was conversation um, and so you know I, I, I kind of get into teaching grammar and trying to figure out what the tricks for for each rule is and 
you know, because when you teach grammar, you get to say, you know, the students come up to you and say, well, why is it like that? And you can say, well, that's English. <laughs> and that's about all I can and, say and, to well, it. And sometimes that's the, that is the only answer. It, well, it's because it's English and we get stuff from all over the place and and um, I know I, I've always said let the uh, and this is getting off base but let the the non-native teachers teach grammar because uh -huh. they have a better grasp of the rules yeah, yeah, when yeah. I was teaching uh, it was either TOEFL or TOEIC at the Institute in Korea when I first started they'd be coming up with these they be they'd be coming up with these questions they, they ask you a question <laughs> they ask a question and I throw down uh huh? Yeah, yeah. It'd just be making, well, what do you think is? Well, I think the Exactly. <laughs> I started off that way, and then they kept giving me the same questions, so I learned what the answer was. Um, and I, my guess is many of our listener... <laughs> See, that was a joke on the plural. Mm. Um, uh, has probably been dealing with the same kind of thing. I mean, you know, I didn't know that much about history and, and the grammar of English or, or much about the U.S. until I went overseas and had to tell people why we tip. Or, you know, well, what, what is the difference between a and the? And, you know, trying to, to explain, well, no, it's not a and and the, it's a and the and zero. And, you know, until you have somebody really, you know, hitting you with, I need an answer for this on a fairly regular basis, there ain't no point in learning it. Right. And so um, the, the tricky part is convincing them there's no point in learning it and just, you know, go with the flow and do it. But I, I mean... Okay, I'm going to reel us back thank in. You, thank you. On topic and... Um... Thank you, uh, Scott Duarte, for that special effect, uh, sound effect that you paid so much money for. That's right. And uh, getting back, so let's say you're in the classroom and you're, you're teaching maybe grammar and you're not using Blue Azor. Uh -huh. You're not using any textbook because you don't like textbooks. Mm. What do you do? That's a fine question. <laughs> I don't know if I would do grammar without a textbook. Um, and that's part of the reason, part of the thing I, that I haven't gone with a textbook in the last three or four years is because I haven't been teaching a specifically grammar class. Right. Um, yeah, I think with, uh, with grammar, I would want to stick with a textbook, even if it's not a great one, even if I don't agree with it, because then I have something to bounce off of and to, you know, go on my wonderful tangent. Right. Because uh, grammar, I think, for the presentation of it, I think it does need a structure. <clears throat> and I haven't done it enough to be able to put together my own structure. So, Okay. How about you? For? For a grammar class. Uh, I don't think I've really ever taught one because I have shied so far away from them. that No, I would definitely have a textbook. Um, if it's a low level... Vocabulary or grammar in use. Mm. It's mostly British English, and they don't know their punctuation at all anyway. But uh, <laughs> grammar in use is a great book. Uh, there's a blue and a red, depending on which level. And also, 
same series, off topic again, but vocabulary in use uh, mm. is also very good. See, now when I was teaching lower level grammar, I used uh, focus on grammar. Mm -hmm. uh, some people really hate it, but I, I kind of got to the point where I'd like it. I didn't like some of the particular exercises, and I thought some of their explanations really uh, sucked. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, as far as, you know, giving me a structure to build new things into, it was fine. Right. And so, um, uh, yeah, with, with that, I think that's, you know, a fine way to go. But with, um, yeah, with grammar, I just, I don't think I would, I think I would want the textbook to, to jump off from. Right. Now. Outside of a grammar class, thank you. Yeah, let's let's get away from the grammar yeah. talk. So uh, outside of a grammar class, uh, what what do you use? Okay, well, I have at Kantagaidai we have reading writing classes together and speaking listening classes together. Uh, last year, I didn't use any. Uh, I had only reading writing classes, and I didn't use any books. Why? Because there's not one book that I am totally in love with. For me, I use books as springboards for other supplemental materials. But last year, I came in with a gung-ho attitude. I was like, no, I'm not going to use a book because I like to pull from many different sources. Right, right. So I pulled from three or four different books, um, which brings us to another topic that will uh, hit um, a little later on in the podcast about copying and we copyright. Talk about copies of copyright and, and but alternatives. Exactly. So, so I, I pulled from a, a lot of different books. Um, teaching over the years and teaching for the past 10 years, I've collected a fairly good-sized library, my own personal library of textbooks, um, course books, just general books about teaching, ESL, and so forth. And so I would pull from maybe three main core books and then five or six other ones for lessons here, activities there, and so forth. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so I felt that why make the students buy one book when I might only use a third of it or something like that. That's, that's what I hear a lot of people say. Um, who don't use who don't use a specific textbook in class or what uh, what the other thing I'll hear is uh, they'll have one book that they make the students buy but they'll use maybe uh, a quarter to a half of it the first semester and then another quarter or third half the second semester and uh, they don't worry about they just tell the students straight out we may we, we may get through the whole thing we may not um, well, I, I find nothing wrong with making the students buy a book if you're going to use three-fourths of it. Yeah, yeah. Half of it, the students will resent it, yeah. even if it's a irritated $12 me. book. Yeah, it irritated me when I was in college. Yeah, but I mean, in college, we're buying $50 textbooks and things like that Yeah. for, for a lot of your lower classes. Yeah, yeah. But um, ESL books aren't that expensive. Mm-hmm. But still, they, so you, they do resent you pull, that. You pull a lot of activities and you pull lessons or activities or what? Um, okay, let's look at, we'll take writing. Okay. And so we were doing paragraph level writing at the 
uh, start of the year. And so I would take the um, maybe a whole unit on narrative paragraphs from this book. Mm -hmm. But then there's some definitely great activities on narrative paragraphs from this other book that I would take. Mm -hmm. Then the next unit would be descriptive paragraphs. And from the book that I, I'm pulling most of it, I don't like their section or what mm -hmm. they have, their examples. So I pull from a third book on it. Or I might have them do homework from one book, but classwork from another book. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, and it would change every single unit. Right where I'd been teaching writing for so long that I know what sections I like and what this has a really great part for hooks and this has a really great part for thesis statements. But as a whole, the book's too high of a level for the students, so I'm not going to make them buy it. Or as a whole, most of the, the material is really dry and uninteresting and they'll be bored and I'll be bored teaching it, so I don't want that book. Right. Right, or the, the overall level for the book is too low, but there's a really good explanation for like Exactly. Yeah, um, that's a little different from the way I do it. Um, I don't break up into units so much. When I'm doing a writing class, it's, it's more, all right, this is the topic that we're going to do. Or, yeah, I guess I kind of do a little bit narrative or descriptive or comparative. Uh, paragraphs and stuff like that, but I don't use anything. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really for me, it's just reaching back into what did I do in high school? And got stoned? Uh, no. <laughs> Can you hear this? Can I, should I turn it up? Um, uh, no, I mean, it's what, what, did it, what was I doing in high school, English or even junior high school? And basically running junior high school native lessons in for my, my, my students. Now, I've been fortunate lately to be able to have students who can handle that. And if I went back to a lower set, I don't know how I would adjust it. I'd probably have to go back to a book for at least a year until I could figure out what was going on. I don't know. With my senility already hitting me, I can't remember that far back. I can't remember what I had for breakfast this morning, let alone what I how I learned it in junior high yeah, and, yeah. and high well, school. I mean, I, was, I, I look at it as like, all right, well, let's break down the structure of the paragraph and then, all right, what's coming first and then what's coming second and then what's coming third, what's coming fourth? And is that different between this and that? And, you know, do you need a thesis for this? And I don't actually teach a lot of thesis statements. I do tell them, all right, I have this first sentence and then is my topic and then I'm going to support everything else in the paragraph is going to support that. And so I'll have them do two or three different kinds of things with that. But... Um, and then show them for like a narrative. I'll have them do that for a narrative, but then I can take that same structure that they have in their head and I can repeat the same thing over and over right. again for the descriptive. All right, this is my desk. And then, all right, now you're just describing it. And so I, I, I'm not having to change my terminology right. or anything. I'm giving them a nice blanket. And I, it may be that... You know, I may I might have to go look at textbooks again, but uh, what I found is I didn't like stuff when I was shopping around before. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not that I didn't like it; it just nothing you know got me going. Right, right. Well, I mean, the way you, you describe your class is the same way. Mm -hmm. I mean, every it's still is gonna build on it. Just right. 
how they discuss it or how they write about it changes. Okay. But uh, so that was last semester, this or last year. But the problem with pulling from different stuff, uh, from different books, or I know you wrote a lot of your own materials yeah. last year. It's just really, really time consuming. It is. That, that is one of the major drawbacks for the way I do my stuff. Although I'm getting better, lazier, <laughs> more efficient at finding things. Um, you know, I, it's kind of like always in the back of my head bubbling. Right. You know, what am I going to do next week? What am I going to do next week? And, and I don't generally plan specifics more than a week ahead. Right. There's because I used to like you to do it. Some of these, some of uh, some of uh, some people do, and you know have this hugely detailed teaching plan. And you know, first five minutes is this, and the second three minutes is this, and then we spend two minutes giving them feedback, and and you know have this perfect, you know, fits exactly in ninety minutes, and I know exactly what I'm doing every second, and about. 10 minutes into the lesson, it all went out the window. <laughs> and you know, I, I've never managed to stay on track for, for a, a whole class. It, it's, yeah, you have to be fluid mm -hmm. and, and be ready for anything to happen because anything will happen. And it's all about teachable moments. If you find something where you, know, you have an opportunity presents itself, to you know, go off on the tangent that's going to be useful and interesting, and even just interesting, whether it's useful or not, um, I take it right every time. My students probably get a little irritated. But, <laughs> What's he talking about that for? But at least you know, when they come into class, they never know ex exactly what's going to happen. It's not going to be, oh, okay, when we get into Scotch class first, we're going to take out the workbook, and then we're going to go to lesson one, and then we're going to go to lesson two, and then we're going to take out the reading book. And we're gonna... All right. He might go crazy today. That's what <laughs> they come to see. But getting back on track, hmm. my, my old school at, um, in Morocco, Alahuayn University, Nice thing about it was it had a copy room with a copy person. And if you gave them whatever you wanted to make copies of for your class, usually 24 hours in advance, mm. um, then they would do all the copying and collating and stapling and all that. And you wouldn't have to waste time with that. Even my high school that I taught at in the States had the same thing. Mm. Um, Wow, you're here. Spoiled. Oh, I know. Well, here <laughs> there is. You make your own copies. You can actually the the registrar's office will make copies, but you need to have it like a week in advance or something. The way I way my schools have always worked is you'd come into the office and say, "Yes, I'd like to have some copies made," and then they would just start laughing and rolling around on the floor and pointing at you with their middle and then pointing at the uh, copy machine and say, "Get your." No, they 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 wouldn't point at the. I'd be like walking over towards the copy machine. They're like, are you going to pay for those? <laughs> and I'd be like, no, they're for your students. And I'd be like, then the students don't need a copy of it. There's a Kinko's down the street. If you would like to pay for your students' copies, go for it. Um, that was Indonesia. So, yeah, it was San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I was like, nah. I can write a couple sentences on the board, and you know, if I found something in the newspaper, I, you know, I'd spring for copies and stuff like that. But uh, it's always, 
wherever I've been, it's always been, you need it, you do it. And there's never been, the, the whole idea of hand, handing any of my stuff to anybody else is foreign to me. It, it doesn't But you've gotten that. into the groove here. I don't. No? No. I don't even use a copier. I have a very nice printer. Well, yeah, so you don't have to use a copier, but you're still making copies for them now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I, yeah, I, 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 can't, I can't give it to somebody else because I don't trust them, and I might change my mind at the last second. Right. And primarily, that's why I don't, don't do it, is because I, I tend to change my mind at the last second on what I want to do, or I find something interesting like just before I walk into the office, just before I have to go to the class. Right. Um, but. <laughs> so I'm, would, I, would I enjoy, but what, go ahead. No, I'm just saying. Yeah, focus, refocus back. I got that, but right. But I don't know what you're refocusing to. Wherever we left off. Copies. Well, yeah, just Making spending copies. a lot of time, spending a lot of time and uh -huh. energy doing the copies instead of if you have the book, you can just open the book, and that's why this semester, this year, I did go to a book mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because. Last year, yes, I was pulling from three, but I would say 75% was from one book. Mm. So this year I made the students buy it, and it's great paragraphs. Or actually, it's great essays, and I don't remember oh, wow. who. I can't remember who the publisher is on that, but there's a series, great sentences, great paragraphs, and then great essays. Yeah, well, I don't, do the, I don't like the great sentences, but the great paragraphs, it's a good book. And for intermediate-level students, it has... Um, Example paragraphs that they, for every single unit, a, a lot of them for them to look at and to scaffold it with that way. And I might not agree with all of their uh, example paragraphs, but I'll just say, okay, now you know what I like in a paragraph. What's wrong with this one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even though the book's not meant for it that way. Being bullied that way. Well, exactly. You but it is, a, it is a good book. And so I've just decided, okay... I'm not going to make all these copies this year. They yeah. can use that. And I will still supplement it to some extent, but the majority, it is good enough for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, with uh, one other way that I've, I haven't used it so much this year, but uh, I had intended to, maybe next semester. Um, another way to get around the problem of copying and, and you know, the time that it takes to do it is uh, what I've done a couple of times. And like I said, looking at for next semester is I'll put a PDF or a, a document file up on uh, the class, either the class website or a website that I know that the class can get to um, and say, this is the reading assignment. Go download it on your own time and print it out on the school's, on the school's printers and in the computer lab and read it. Right. Or respond to it or do the thing or whatever. I like that. Well, that, that's an excellent suggestion. Um, another thing is if you have your stuff together yeah. uh, before the, the beginning of the semester or the beginning of the year, however you run, uh, your school runs it, you can put all the materials in one packet. And some schools have a place where you can leave the packet and students can get it and make their own copies. Or you just blow your wad and make all the copies at once. Right, right. And um, 
then you don't have to make any copies for the rest of the year, which I did for my speaking listening class. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, see, I can't plan that far ahead. I, I ended up, you know, I this was the first time in my life that yeah. I <laughs> could do it. I was determined. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, you know, the, I think there's, there's moments for, for textbooks. And um, I have never met a textbook I totally loved. And I, I have a sneaky suspicion, and I don't remember who I stole the quote from. But uh, I have a feeling that if I wrote my own textbook, you wouldn't love I still it. wouldn't. There, there would still be things that I'd be like, eh, I don't want to use that. You know, even even if it came off of my hand, because right? Because it's once it, it's like once it hits paper, it starts to fossilize and and become this dead document. Whereas it feels like you know, if I'm doing stuff moment to moment or you know whatever in class, then it's it's still alive. It's still a, a breathing, right? Uh, it's more dynamic. Yeah. Um, plus, I mean, even for the, a lot of the readings that I did when I was doing a specific reading and writing class i mean i'm only doing the writing class i'm doing now doesn't have a reading component and i only see them once a week so right um what i was what i was doing with the reading and writing class is i would uh pull things off the internet from that day uh-huh and so you know everything was always fresh i never knew exactly what was going to happen but i was teaching them about how to approach the reading as opposed to you know particular vocabulary right yeah, what do i know how which which vocabulary word they're exactly going to need i don't think that's the uh, should be the teacher's option it should mm -hmm. be the students the students should be doing their own and picking up vocabulary that's important and relevant for them i know other people disagree and and want to go top down i know not you but you know they want to go top down and say this is the vocabulary list there will be a test at the end of the week and it will be worth 20 points and if you fail i will eat your liver with yeah that's not me i i go for the heart <laughs> no it, it all depends i'm i'm all for having a student generated uh vocabulary notebook and things like that but i'm also for well i know these are words that you won't know and these are words that you will see on the TOEFL, mm. or we'll see in mainstream English classes, yeah. and yeah. so you got to know them. Yeah, yeah. Do you have you have you ever pulled out the uh, what is it thousand most common English words? Have you ever pulled that out to compare? No, to I haven't. Stuff? No, I haven't. Yeah, there's a site if you if you do a search for I can't remember exactly what I did the search for, but if you do a search for a thousand thousand most common English words, it's like I can't remember who did the research. I'm a duck. Um, but they, there's like 1,000 English words that make up 80 to 85% of the, the majority of daily conversation. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had grand dreams at one point of that was going to be my class, is that, you know, 1,000 words that make up this 85%. Right. But I remember going through it and thinking, you can't really make a whole conversation out of those thousand words because it would no matter, almost no matter where you are, you have some sort of specialty right. word that you got to deal with and it kind of scuttles the whole thing up. Yeah. It's interesting. But it's also going down which um, ELT path you're going. Are you doing 
for academic purposes? Are you just yeah. doing straight EFL mm -hmm. or ESL? It doesn't, um, either of those two is different. Mm -hmm. So for, for EAP, what we're doing, then yeah, we need, I, I do give them word list from the readings or say, okay, these are 10 words out of the reading I know you won't know. Mm -hmm. Or the majority of you mm -hmm. won't know. Right. If you know it, great. You don't have to study it. Right. Things like that. Do you give a specific vocabulary test? If I give them words, then yeah. Okay. Cool. So, it, I don't know. I don't know if it helps in the end or not, but... Yeah. I, I mean, a, a lot of times it's it, back to the program that we had a while ago, back to student-centered uh, you know, classrooms and stuff. Um, I find that a lot of classrooms that are heavy on textbook use is not heavy on the student-centeredness. Right. Of it. And it comes back to, you know, teacher centered and the whole idea of sage on the stage versus guide on the side. And, you know, a, a classroom that's really heavy into the text has a tendency to be the sage on the stage. I am the font of knowledge and you shall drink from my blood and thereby become smarter or you will fail. Right. And um, it doesn't give the students a lot of lead. It seems like it doesn't give the students a lot of leeway to. Uh, uh, de develop their own take on it. Well, that's true. And I mean, you there are different things you can do. For example, you can have the students generate their own vocabulary list mm -hmm. um, and have them as a group choose 10 words. Uh, but I, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. But I find students, they'll say, oh, I know that word, even though they really don't. Uh -huh. They might think they do, or they know it in a different way. Usually the words I'll choose, either they don't know or it's not the standard definition that they're using in this sense. Mm -hmm. But it is an important definition mm -hmm. to know. Mm -hmm. So do it that way. Um, one other way to do that that I used uh, two years ago, but I really liked it and some people had a real problem with it. Some of the other teachers had a real issue with it, and actually a couple of students did too, but I didn't understand them, <laughs> um, was I would have the students keep a vocabulary journal. The ongoing assignment is you add 10 words a week, plus definitions, plus a sample sentence that demonstrates the use of the word correctly, not this is a desk. Right. If desk is the vocabulary. Because Original sentence. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't demonstrate understanding. Um, so they would be putting the 10, 10 words a week in their dictionary. Uh, the vocabulary workbook journal and then every two weeks or every three weeks I would be like all right pull the vocabulary journals out time for a quiz and they would they would exchange vocabulary they'd go in and mark 10 words in their journal and exchange vocabulary journals with the person sitting next to them and the person they would read the other person's journal and say all right you chose uh, wood W-O-O-D, wood. And the, the students whose book it is say, okay, wood is a substance that comes from trees. Uh, my chair is made from wood and steel. And so they would have two different vocabulary tests going from words that they chose. And they chose, because they chose the words, they could determine how difficult or how easy the test was. Right. 
Um, and that was what that was the thing that a lot of people had real issue with. They, well, they could make it too easy. And I was like, well, but they're doing words that, yeah, okay, they make it too easy. Uh, not my problem. It's the student's issue. They're not pushing themselves, but perhaps they're not going to do anything with this stuff later on. True. And so, you know, I, I justified it to myself because I could justify anything to myself. Um, and I and I can see that I can I could also see the other point in saying, well, you know, it it really discredits the students who try to challenge themselves and and fall on their faces. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and well, that was the other thing. The way it usually worked is everybody got about an eighty percent. The the poor students who chose really easy words still got about eighty percent. The students who were really strong and really pushing themselves and really challenging themselves they still got about an 80%, but their vocabulary was improving leaps and bounds. Now, and the payoff comes in when they do interviews to go abroad and they get chosen. Right, so forth. right. Well, and, and the poorer students, they're not necessarily looking to go abroad. That's they're, true. They're going, you know, it's like, why should they have, why should I send them out of my classroom with a bad feeling about English, like they can't do this, when I can, when I could, have the opportunity for them to feel like they had some success without killing themselves or destroying right. their grade. And man, I am all about making them feel good. <laughs> In an academic sense. Of course, of course. But you know, seriously, I mean, people do things they like because they enjoy it. You a baseball fan? No. Hate baseball. Hockey? I like the fights. Okay, boxing. No, not the fights. Okay. Soccer, volleyball, tennis, football. Football. Okay. okay. So you, you know stats for football? No. All right. What's some, <laughs> what's, give me an example of something you know some piddly little detail about. Photography. Photography. All right. You, you have this great level of detailed knowledge about photography. Why? Because... Because I love this, the field, I love yeah. the subject, so yeah, yeah so you work hard at what you love. Exactly, and you know, it's like if you go, two examples, there's, there's the little kids who collect the baseball cards, or you know, whatever, and that's why I, I thought maybe mm -hmm. you could go there. But you know, they can, I'm like, alright, who's a pitcher for the Red Star Sox Wars in, 1970, in 1989? And they can tell me who the, who the main pitcher was, who the relief pitcher was, how many, and just all these bizarre stats. Now, if I sat down and said, all right, now this class will memorize the stats for all the pitchers for, for the Red Sox from 1989 to 1999, everybody would be like, oh, it's impossible, I can't do it. But that kid over there did it. But he can't add two plus two, yeah. but, But, yeah. you know, it's, it's because, and, and, you know, ask any kid about Pokemon, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, what does uh, chupacabra do? <laughs> you know? And they, they spit it right out. And, yeah. uh, and, but if you sat down and told the kid you have to memorize all the information on these cards, they'd be like, no, right. I'm not going to do it. Right. And so I kind of look at it that way. You know, so you, find, you find your balance on it. And uh, the cream does rise to the top. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to find a way to get you to talk. Now. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just, uh, in our program description, we're going to have to say a meandering path through using text in the classroom. Well, I, that's fine. I think that's okay. Because that, 
That it, is okay. It follows, it follows my theory of how things should be taught. <laughs> Doesn't it? We're it talking does. About, I mean, it it's does. Still, still talking about text in the classroom versus, you know, it's the prescribed things versus unprescribed things and random right. and letting it flow. And uh, I live and let it flow. All right. All right. Uh, I don't know where to go from there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you get us back on subject back this on time. Subject. All right. So, so uh, you make these. I don't want to. Get okay. Well, let's let's delve into now because we talked about copying from this, copying from that. So let's go into the stickiness of copyright. Yeah. Yeah. It'll. We'll have to touch on it here and then uh, go in deep in another show. Okay. Um, part of the reason, part of the problem with the whole topic is, uh, we're we we don't know where everybody is, and actually, Japanese law and and U.S. law, <clears throat> I have no idea if it's the same or not. Um, we basically work under the function that or function under the idea that it's probably going to be the same as as U.S. law, meaning basically you'll have a fair use clause. And you can do what one tenth of one chapter, which is about two pages. Mm -hmm. And you can only have so many copies of it. I can't remember exactly how it goes. Um, but you know how what is the academic purposes and and how can it be used in class and what's the difference between you know stealing something and making a copy of it and that you can blow it all the way out to can you show movies in the classroom. Uh, for <clears throat> for language purposes and have that be okay. Uh, short answer is no, um, but everybody does it because it's a public performance. You actually have to license it. Yeah, but you're not selling it. You are not selling that class, but because the students paid for the class, it's it's a little grayish. That's that. Yeah, that's very. Yeah, there's, I mean, ethereal. for the most part, you know, nobody's ever going to walk into a school and, and bust them for it, although they might. The RIAA and the MPAA. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely what you can do within the U.S. and what you can do outside the U.S. are greatly very different. Yeah, yeah. Um, it also depends on the culture of the institute that you're yes, at. Yes, that's true. What was it like when you were in Korea? Um, Korea... They didn't care. Yeah. I mean, you can take in Korea, you can take a book to a Kinko's style place. Um, I don't know if they would do it at Kinko's because they do have that in, yeah, in this. Kinko's, Kinko's got sued big. In Korea. But you can go to, they have all these mom and pop places and they'll just copy the entire book for you mm -hmm. uh, and put a nice binding on it and things like that. Yeah, and it costs maybe half to two-thirds of what the book what actually the costs. Book cost. yeah. yeah. So, I mean, obviously, they don't have any problems with it. Right, right. Um, here, it, it's the same. <laughs> quick, quick. Uh, this, this show is not saying uh, on legal advice, just uh, these are our opinions, so please check with your lawyers in your representative areas and don't tell us if you get busted. Yeah, well, I mean, in the States, I never did it. Yeah, in the states, I you know I I pretty much stuck to all right. I'm, I'll copy a page for a student, right? You know because they didn't have the book or whatever. But you know I'd be like, all right, you got to go buy the book. 
go, 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 you know. Exactly. And so, uh, you know, but you take pity on somebody who doesn't have all that much money or whatever. And, um, for... Bottom line, my, my opinion for teaching is we're here to get the, te the, the kids' knowledge. Yeah, yeah. And for me, that's by any all means and any means necessary. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And, I, you know, I do my best to make sure that I do kick back and make sure that, you know, the people who are producing these things, you know, tr I try to make sure that they get paid as much as, you know, people can get them. And, uh, you know, I don't do a whole lot of stuff with, uh, with straight publishers books anymore. There's enough stuff out on the web, on the internet that is perfectly acceptable to use. Right. And that, you know, eh, might as well. It's there, which is the other reason I don't like textbooks, but, you know, um, and there's a, lately in the last two years or so, it's really started to pick up. There's a whole new idea behind uh, copyright. Copyright in the U.S. is broken. Right. And so um, there's a guy named Larry Lessig and uh, a bunch of folks who put together a, well, I don't know if he actually put it together, but anyway, he's related to the idea but put together this idea called the Creative Commons. And the Creative Commons is kind of a forward-looking um, copy, copyright system. Um, nothing in the U.S. has gone into the public domain since 1918 or 1923, uh, with a couple of minor exceptions, basically 1918. Uh, do you know why? Nope. I love this. It's to keep Mickey Mouse from falling into public domain. <laughs> Seriously, you laugh? It's true. That's the main reason that copyrights keep it getting extended and extended and extended. When the U.S. started, copyright was 14 years. No matter what. Doesn't matter. Yep. 14 years and you lose it. Then it was 17. And ever since, uh, when Mickey was made, uh, it was, I want to say, 25 years. When Mickey was about to turn 25, they upped it to 35 and then 50 and then 76. And then 94. 94 years? Yeah, it's like it's 94 plus it's it, life of the life of the author plus 94 was the last one. But in 2010, I think it's 2010, Mickey's up for another round. And uh, so so watch the headlines then. Yeah, because the, the I'm reading a very interesting book. If you if you're interested in, in Creative Commons and copyright and where our copyright or the US copyright laws come from. Go to uh, www.freeculture.cc. Uh, you'll get a copy of uh, Larry Lessig's book, which is a Creative Commons uh, license. Um, and you can download it and read it for free. And there are some audio uh, links to it, to people who have read chapters in and stuff. It's really interesting, really, because particularly with the situation with piracy and uh, talk, talks a little bit about uh, copies in education and focuses on and uh, yeah, I think it's uh, pretty interesting. Well, I mean that—that's the whole thing with piracy. I mean, we're not selling that's, yeah. the copies to the students, and I'm not going to make them buy things that they're not going to use that much of. Yep, yep. And you know, and the vast majority of people really only use one or two pages out of the thing anyway. So one tenth of one chapter is generally sufficient. Right. And, and definitely falls under fair use for the vast majority of stuff. And we are not selling it to the students, so I, I agree. I don't think that uh, a lot of the copyright stuff really falls for us. Now, of course, when I publish my book, <clears throat> I'm going to get really pissed off. 
actually, I won't. I'll, I'll totally understand and say, okay, you know, fair enough. But yep. I, I can see someone spends all the time writing it. And they the want the kickbacks. steal all the money. Well, that's just it also. So I hate textbooks. But it, it also <laughs> depends on, for example, in my class this year, I'm using uh, Choose Your Own Adventure books. Cool. They went out of print in 1974. Oof. Now, I'm not going to, you can on eBay find lots of 48 books, lots of 50 books. I'm not going to buy one book for each student when the author's not getting the money anyway. Right, right. It's just going to the bookseller. So, you know, I'll, I'll make copies. And I was thinking, okay, I should write to the publishers and get permission, but... But you know, you're in Japan and the publishers in the U.S. and the the logistics for getting an out-of-print book printed for you to use 30 copies of in a class make it ridiculously expensive. And you know, I, I don't fight. I don't disagree with you at all. Right. On it. All right. So which brings that. us to music time. I hope you enjoyed our little journey, well, our long scenic route. Around the textbook use in the classroom, uh, stopping over at the lakefront of copyright and creative commons. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll be more focused next time. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. Um, quick thank yous. Oh, hold on. Pause the music. Uh, what's your email address? My email address is S-C-O-T-T. D-U-A-R-T-E, all lowercase, one word, at education.org, E-D-G-Y-C-A-T-I-O-N dot O-R-G. Yep, and I am Scott at education.org, just like he spelled. And uh, we want to say thanks to all of you for listening. We want to say... Uh, thanks to Mark Blasco. At www.podcastthemes.com for allowing us to use this... Uh, Wonderful theme music for free, baby. Come journey with us next week. That's right. When we talk about Walden. <laughs> uh, okay, maybe not. Um, we are not entirely sure what we're going to talk about next week. We'll talk about either um, one thing or another. Either tech or... Uh, yeah, probably you need to move into tech. We'll definitely want to come back and talk a little bit more about copyright and piracy with tech, perhaps. And then... Uh, that means we have to study it and, and know our stuff. Ah, it'll be a surprise for them. <laughs> All right, everybody. Peace Take out. Take care. Thanks. Peace.